CEO Inspire Careers. Thank you for tuning into my podcast, coming to you from the heart of Silicon Valley, San Jose, California, welcoming Gonzalo Aranda Sandoval, who is in the finance industry. He is a commercial relationship manager. Welcome, Gonzalo. Thank you, Leah. Thank you so much for having me here today. I appreciate you taking the time, and I look forward to you inspiring many others who are considering the finance industry and learning about different positions and what it takes. So tell me how you got started in this field. So I started as a teller right after high school. I was my first job as I started college at Fresno State in 2000 and got any remember in 2006. So I knew I wanted to get into the finance industry. I was going to study business, study entrepreneurship, because at some point I wanted a, that for myself. I, w- I want to be, and I am an entrepreneur. But in the meantime, I wanted to also learn as much as I can while I'm working and have a job that's actually uh, useful in, in that learning process. So I chose banking because one, my mom was in it. I have family in it. I kind of followed their footsteps. But also while I was working and also learning, it was also an education for me because I got to talk to business owners every day, people who manage their money well and people that don't manage their money well. So I, it was a wealth of information. It was it was kind of like getting an MBA, but instead of me paying for to get theory, the bank was paying me to actually learn real world applications. So that's how I got started right when I was 18 years old. Wonderful. So what were the passions that have led to your success? You've been in the industry a while. About 15 years since I started in banking. The reason I've always done well, I have a sense of urgency. And I think that's really important. That's a huge trait that the people that are successful around me, uh, my boss doesn't have to check in on me to see if I'm doing my work. I used to have offices and I'd give up the offices just to get a desk on the floor next to my manager just so he can hear me on my calls and my interactions with customers all day, because I I do not like the question. I have a pet peeve uh, when they ask me what I did today. (laughs) I'd rather show them as I'm working. Um, And so I would give up private offices and just get a desk outside and they would see my, my sense of urgency, my sense of urgency to hit my goals. It's like a personal thing with me where I want to be successful. My boss doesn't have to worry about that. The district managers don't have to worry about that. They know I'm self-driven. And so uh, if I can just sum it down to just one little phrase, it's sense of urgency. I have a sense of urgency that I want to be successful. And so I think that's what's led to to that success. And then, you know, I try not to wait uh, for promotions or movements. I try to actually nudge those along. I try to actually be proactive and moving up because me staying in a position and not moving up, to me, I feel like now I'm wasting time. If I'm in a position too long, you know, I'm only, I was only in my twenties for a certain amount of years. Now my mid thirties, I got to move up as fast as I possibly can. Time flies. So we got to take advantage. Yes. Thank you. This is a valuable nugget. Gonzalo, tell me a little bit about your family influence. My family, we're all very, you know, hardworking people, blessed. Simple chamos ganas, I always say. Let's talk about, if you don't mind a little bit, on how do you go about negotiating? Because you're in finance. Part of that sense of urgency is nudging the process along to, to then move up to, to always better yourself in your career and your salary. You really have to write down, not wing it, you have to write down 
every win you had in your previous job. I mean, make a list and just go all out. Every little thing, doesn't matter how small it is. Then you can kind of organize into different groups where it's maybe uh, one group's like time management, the other one's sales or or somehow getting stuff done or pushing through problems and salaries, websites online. You do your research on what the position holds. You know, a lot of times the recruiters will, you know, they'll, they'll send you like a low number. And uh, one thing I always know is that you, whatever you ask, they're never going to give you that. They're, also, they're always going to negotiate somewhere in the middle. So you can ask for a little more than maybe you want because they're always going to try to negotiate a little. Most people are open to negotiating. Just no one ever asked. <laughs> no one ever does. It. Right. You know, and it's just like, hey, you know what? You make your list of, of reasons why they should hire you, why you're the next logical choice in that position. And I mean, for them, it's in their budget. They have a range for a reason. So do not be scared. And they're good at, you know, maybe pushing back. Or, they're always going to give you an initial pushback, but you just have to stick to your guns a little bit, not in a, not in a rude way, but just be like, no, you know what? I really think maybe you should, uh, you know, maybe we can think about this or maybe bring it up to a supervisor of yours and see if we can make something happen or something like that. But you always, you always insist in a respectful way, just insist, you know, just asking almost no one even asks. And then when they do the initial pushback, that's another huge percentage of people that just like, okay, well, never mind. Just insist one more time. Um, you can always say, um, you know, I know it's, you know, I haven't been offered the position. If and when I do, we'll talk about this in detail, but can you at least give me maybe like a range of what the salary is for this, uh, this position here, just so I can start planning and preparing. What I think about when it comes to negotiation, and then you're writing these lists of accomplishments, and of course, understanding the position and the goals of the company. So you're putting yourself in the position of the employer, because they know what they're looking for and what they need, whatever it is, their pain point, you're going to address that pain point. So being honest, because a person can say whatever, but at the end of the day, you have got to deliver. I really want to make sure that people are not stretching the truth, that yeah. employers want honesty, that you can deliver and don't just line up everything with the position job description just so they can rule you in. There's other ways that you can get into the position without having to be a cookie cutter of the original job description. So, you know, I look forward to, you know, discussing that further with job seekers. You just brought up a great uh, point or great phrase. You have to, um, what did you say? I mean, you, you have to uh, deliver, right? Well, that's the recruiter's job. Her sales is delivering candidates to the manager. I mean, the manager picks them. But um, so if you've gotten far enough, you know, that means they like you. And that means you're qualified. And at that yeah. point, you can start opening up conversations like, hey, uh, don't think oh, they'll just be like, you know, for example, if they offered you the position at that point, don't think they're just going to rescind it real quick because you asked for a little more money. Like that's not going to happen. And I think a lot of people have that irrational fear like, oh, man, if I push too hard, they're just going to be like, never mind. They're probably never going to do that. I mean, at that point, if they offered it, they they already picked you. They already they're, said yes. You just, have to, you just have to, you know, just figure out the, the minor details. And, you know, they're not going to take it personally. The, the money's not going to come out of your manager's pocket. You know, like it's the whatever corporations already budgeted 
uh, already budgeted for this. So yeah, just don't feel bad. Do not feel bad. Negotiate, ask questions. Uh, you know, one thing I always love and one of the reasons um, I think individually, my, like my personal brand is uh, I'm, I always try to stay very grounded and down to earth. I'm not very, uh, oh man, in Spanish, uh, I'm, I'm thinking of the English word like um, like showy or, or uh, cremoso, like uh, sweet talking or, or uh, what do they call it? Oh, I forget the term right now, but a schmoozer. Like I try to stay very down to earth and actually get to uh, interact with people like on an actual personal level, not in like this professional always level. So I'll always try to somehow find a personal some, some a personal line of communication with the actual recruiter as well with the as with as with the manager whoever is hiring you, and we start talking about you know whatever their forever football team whatever that way like the the mask can come off and it's just like now it's just me and you Leah talking you know you're just having and a conversation just having a conversation and asking yeah. the recruiter hey can you really help me I really would like to get this. Just be real with people. Actually show your humanity, you know, make them feel comfortable enough to reciprocate and and then have a real conversation that and don't always just be like so uptight and professional where you have this mask on all day. It's like when my clients talk to me, they know they're talking to Gonzalo, not, oh, my commercial relationship manager. Yeah. Let's call Gonzalo. They could text me and call me. Um, they can be themselves. I always tell people. Job seeker, you don't know what you don't know. So why are you going to get so worked up over a position? You don't even know if you want it. You don't even know if you like it. You don't even know if it's a cultural fit. You got to relax and treat it as a conversation. Park that fear and have the conversation. Are there tough problems that you deal with in your industry? Yeah. So if you want to get into banking, um, you know, a teller, for example, a teller position is a very structured job. You're there a certain amount of hours. As soon as you clock out, you do not worry about your job anymore. But once you get into uh, being a personal banker, or in my case, a commercial banker, uh, relationship manager, what that means is that I, I manage a book of business from medium to larger size clients or businesses. Let's just say I have uh, 50 in my book of business. Uh, my job is to just take care of them, grow the relationship, and also do some business development on the side and bringing new relationships to the bank. And so time management is the biggest and toughest problem mm-hmm. that I deal with. Um, everything else by itself is easy, but putting everything together is very hard. And that for me is extremely overwhelming all of the time because I'm always on my, my clients can call me, text me anytime. I'm always, uh, you know, worried about, uh, you know, closing deals. Maybe they're purchasing their, their commercial building. You know, there's all these timelines there and you're working with various other departments and various other companies to get that done. You're dealing with the realtor, you're dealing with the sellers, you're dealing with the title companies, insurance companies. I mean, uh, you have to kind of corral everybody and, Sometimes it's like herding cats. Um, And then on the other hand, you have to then keep up with the day-to-day of your existing clients and they're monitoring because we monitor uh, their financials throughout the year um, and annually and to to look for trends, see how they're doing, uh, to analyze our portfolio, the strength of our portfolio too, because we have to report that to 
to various government agencies. Um, and so you, there's just so many hats you wear. And then on top of that, I need to have a social life. I have all these hobbies, you know, I'm learning. I'm a student pilot, learning how to fly, which is like a whole other career. And then I'm a startup founder. So I have a, a website I'm founding, clouder.com, which is a platform where people can organize themselves to go shopping for groups and services using their power numbers to negotiate better prices. And huh? everything you've been doing has prepared you to pursue all these other things. You have your interests and passions. I get it. Being a pilot, but just being the entrepreneur, like you said, the foundation of finance is what's helping you. And, and you really feel the confidence to be able to move into that. Yeah. It was solid for you. The most rewarding part of your work I think uh, with what I do is helping the business owners achieve goals they set out to uh, to attain and then watching their companies grow. Because as companies grow, it's not just more money for the owners. It's not just my business owners getting richer and more wealthier, which is a huge win and you know something we all aspire to. Um, but as their companies grow, they naturally need to hire more people. So you're creating jobs. So you yourself, by being a good banker or a bad banker, may actually uh, specifically impact your local economy. I mean, if I, you know, I was able to close a, a it was a tough deal. I was able to close a line of credit on this a client that was growing like crazy during COVID. He was one of those that as COVID started, because of what they manufacture, which is like PPE and all this stuff, they just blew up. And, you know, uh, and it was tough. It was really tough getting them uh, not just a line of credit, but they needed a few things. And we were able to get it done. And because of that, they were able to hire more people. But if I would have slipped on it, uh, you know, somehow during the process, if somehow it wouldn't have been able to get done, um, I would have literally affected, you know, some jobs that wouldn't have people that wouldn't have got hired who wouldn't have been able to provide for their family. I mean, it's a little butterfly effects sometimes. And so that's the most rewarding thing because you, I don't deal with smaller businesses. It has to be at the medium to larger size at this point. So now I do see how my work affects hand like multiple jobs that I can create if I do such a good job. Can you tell me to say the industry in general, maybe people you come across in your industry, what have you seen in them that are the best qualities that you have seen in professionals in your industry? Doing what you said you're going to do and the follow through. That's huge. If someone offers you help or advice or, or, or something like in that capacity, do it. <laughs> follow through it. If a client says, hey, you know what, uh, let's grab lunch soon. Literally go and schedule the lunch for the next week or whatever. But don't let these uh, these opportunities pass by because in those lunches, more casual, that's when people open up. You find more opportunities. You get to build a personal relationship where they say, oh, you know what? My friend also has a business like mine. I'm going to refer you to him. Um, I haven't done a cold call in like two years. I've been slammed busy by just, uh, just word of mouth and clients referring me to other clients and friends referring me to clients. All I do now is get business from just hanging out with my friends. I'm so impressed by that. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah. you're, you're a wonderful leader. 
I really value this conversation. I know that everyone is really going to appreciate it. You've given so much and I thank you. Is there anything else you'd like to add? Yeah, well, I haven't shared my my favorite and my strongest piece of advice yet. I've Please kept do. that for last. So All right. Thank you. Well, let, let me go on the second one and then we'll end with the with my best advice that I've I've had. First is as soon as you graduate or as soon as you get that new job, especially if you're young, do not go into debt. If I were you, I'd take a Dave Ramsey course. You learn how to how to cash flow everything. You don't need a new car. You don't need a five, six hundred, seven hundred dollar month payment. You do not need that. That's the number one killer of cash flow. And for us, especially in the Hispanic community, um, you know, we don't come from generations of wealth. A lot of the times our wealth comes from our salary. And if we blow that 25% or more a month in just a car, we, I mean, that's a huge impact on us. That's a, it's like taking a huge pay cut. And so just be smart about it. I see that all the time, especially one of my biggest pet peeves is when, you know, like a teller, like, you know, which is an entry level position at a bank. They, you know, a lot of times they pay like minimum wage. They work at a bank now, so they need a three series BMW. And it's just like my biggest pet peeve of all time. So you're a teller, man. Do not buy a three series BMW. Do not buy a three series BMW. You know, you don't need a, a fancy, you're a teller. You're not visiting clients. You know, you're just showing up to work and leaving. Save your money. For the love of God, it's not about how much you make, how much you save. Okay. So if you're a, a lowly teller, you know, humble teller, and you're saving $500 a month, and then there's this, your branch manager making six figures saves like nothing is going into debt every month. You're doing a better job than, than someone who's making way more money than you. So um, that's uh, number two tidbit. But my best tidbit, my best piece of advice, and it's something I learned on my own through my experience and I unlocked was I, this is how I phrase it. This is what I call it. I always say, get referred, get referred down. Don't get referred up. And what I mean by that is let's just say I am a, I'm a banker wanting to move to a new, a new, uh, new city or whatever, or get a new job at a new bank. I'm not going to, you're going to have a hiring manager. You're going to have someone that's going to be your boss. So do whatever research, do whatever you have to do. Find people on LinkedIn who work at the same company. Ask them. I've done that before. Ask them, hey, you know, who's who's calling the shots here? Who's calling the shots there? Don't go up to someone that's a subordinate or lower than your future boss and ask those people to refer you up to their boss. That holds very little weight compared to if you find out who your boss's boss is, find them on LinkedIn, figure it out, research, call people, talk to people, figure out who their boss is, and then contact them and then be like, hey, I'm really interested. My name is whatever. I'm really interested in joining your company. I heard there's this position open. I would love for you to introduce me to the, to the hiring manager. You know, those people don't ever get asked that. And whenever the referral comes from the boss, I'm telling you that imagine <laughs> if you don't get hired, imagine how 
that hiring manager is going to feel a little awkward. You know, it's going to be like, wait, I didn't hire the boss's recommendation. And, and a lot of times it's not even this crazy recommendation. <laughs> no, it's just the boss's boss just simply said, hey, you know what? Uh, you know, I met this uh, this kid over the weekend or or um, or this week. Um, I got his resume. You know what? Uh, take a look at him. You know, it doesn't have to be this crazy recommendation. Just that simple conversation. If yeah. my boss gave me someone to, I, I had a position open and my boss gave me a recommendation. Oh man, just, just uh, psychologically, I have a huge amount of weight uh, on this decision uh, about hiring this person or not. I mean, that, that's going to, that's going to, it's always going to be there in the back of my mind. Like, yo, this is the boss's guy oh you know, gosh. or girl <laughs> and get referred down. Don't try to get referred up. Cause that's night and day. And I'll tell you, if you do that, if you get referred down, I'll be willing to bet that your chances now getting that position, no matter who your competition is, just went up by 80%. I mean, just that wow. simple fact, right? That is so huge. <laughs> and I would like to add that if it is an in-person interview for them to bring their lunch and to say, I'm ready to start. <laughs> this one client of mine years ago said that when he showed up to an interview, he placed his lunch on the table oh, at the funny. interview. And they're like, what is that? He's like, hey, I'm ready to start. Yeah, I'm ready to go. <laughs> I thought that was valuable. You carry your no. little box with the office supplies. <laughs> like, where do I put this? <laughs> Oh, man. Thank you so much. I really appreciate this. I feel that this insight has just been wonderful. You have inspired me and I've learned so much. I'm so appreciative and I know that you're going to inspire the world and that's what I want to do, bringing real people and real stories to the world. Well, thank you, Leah. It was fun. Anytime you, you uh, need me back here again, I'd be more than happy. Thank you. Job seekers. I hope that you're inspired today by this conversation. Connect with us at inspirecareers at gmail.com, inspirecareers.com, N-S-P-I-R-E-C-A-R-E-E-R-S, and also on Instagram. We look forward to hearing from you.